Welcome to Film Rush Podcast. As you can see by the runtime, things are a little different this week. We are happy you are tuning in. If I sound different to you, uh, Logan pointed out that I may not sound different to any new listeners. And if you are new, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you are a recurring listener, you might notice I sound a little weird. Um, I have a bit of a cold. Uh, it is a cold. I've confirmed it's, it's not COVID, so don't worry. Uh, keep wearing your mask. Stay safe out there. Don't get COVID. But colds... They're fair game, and I got one, and I hate it. I'm in the middle of a of a huge effort, but we'll we'll get to that part at the end of today's episode. For now, let's take a stroll over to the other side of the aisle and ask Logan, how are you doing? How's it going today? I'm doing all right. I've had a super busy weekend. I've been working on a whole bunch of house projects, but I'm tired. <laughs> my legs hurt. I'm standing up right now at my standing desk and my feet are like, fuck you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> <You> fool, <laughs> I'm in a good mood. You know, I've, I'm, uh, I've, I've accomplished a lot recently. So I'm writing that, that, uh, I don't know if it's dopamine high or serotonin high. I'm too tired to remember what high it is, but, uh, <laughs> one of those two I'm too high to know what high it was. <laughs> and I'm not even not even the, that kind of like high, high, you know, I'm just high on life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You know, I'm uh, looking at a couple of movies coming out soon and starting to get excited about things. I'd, I'd say returning to normal, but then there's that Delta variant that's kind of, you know, coming up like a big storm in the background. And I'm just trying to not look in the rearview mirror. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm good. How are, how are you? I know you're feeling sick, but how are you doing, you know, mentally, spiritually? Let's, you know, check in with each other. Here. Uh, mentally, I'm fine, I guess. How's your chakra? <laughs> My chakra is flowing <laughs> as best it can. Uh, you know, I may need to watch the Avatar Last Airbender episode where they, they unlock Aang's chakras to <laughs> give myself a bit of a therapy. Right. <clears throat> but Unblock a few things. Yeah, unblock a few uh, funky things. But other than that, I'm just keeping busy as best I can right now. Um, but otherwise, we are going to talk today just so that you guys know what's up. I mean, you obviously read the title. I hope you did at least. And you just randomly click on whatever was on your screen. Um, but we're going to talk about a couple pro- uh, titles today, like Black Widow and a assignment that we didn't get to in a previous episode that Logan was meant to watch, Mitchell's versus the Machine, uh, on Netflix, and that's that's basically what he did today. Then we're gonna have some announcements at the end of the episode. Uh, time codes are down below, but hopefully you'll stick around and hear our thoughts on these films. And if you've seen either of them, let us know what you think as well. This isn't just about us. We are the ones talking at you, but we don't want to be the only ones talking at all. So let us know your thoughts. But otherwise, Logan, if there's anything else you want to talk about, we can get into it, starting with Black Widow. Let's get into Black Widow. Okay, so I've seen it twice. I saw it uh, opening weekend, and then I saw it again, not, you know, this past weekend, but uh, I saw it opening weekend, and then the second weekend that it was out, and you've just recently seen it. Is that right? Yeah, I saw it last week. I can't remember what day. Um it's been it's been a wild ride lately, but uh, it's been a few yeah, days. <laughs> I saw it uh, with some friends. I had an interesting theatrical experience because I went and saw it in theaters. This is the first film I've seen in theaters since the beginning of the pandemic. The last one I saw, uh, you know, I, I want to know everything. So tell me. Uh, the last film I saw was Bloodshot uh, with Vin Diesel. I saw that literally two days before the city I live in <laughs> shut down. So that was interesting. But then I saw Black Widow. So we'll get to my thoughts on Black Widow. But I actually had. An experience in AMC that I've actually spoken to AMC about. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but 
it was about two thirds through the film. We're at the part where it's getting it's quiet and they're about to sit down at the table at uh, the house on the farm. I'm being vague right now because I haven't gotten to the film yet. But Logan, you know what I'm talking about, basically. When they're all yes, together. I do. That is a very quiet moment in the film. You agree? There's not much going on, just mostly dialogue. Yes, no music. It's just dialogue. Yeah. A lot of banging went off in in what sounded like the next theater over, maybe, uh, and went on like pretty rhythmically. It was like bang, bang, and it kept going for a while to the point where a couple people in the audience, including myself, were like up, and we were in chairs that can recline. So like everyone's like sitting up, and we're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And I'm not gonna lie, it sounded. To me, and I know what they sound like because I grew up with them, guns. It sounded like a gun. Okay. And so a lot of us were pretty concerned. So me and a couple of the random guys in the uh, theater, we all walked out to the hallway. Nothing was happening. This was the last viewing of the night. It started at 8.30. There were no other showings. Uh, so we it stopped. But we walked up to the front and we we're like, hey, we heard a banging that I'm pretty sure nothing in a theater should be even capable of making. Like the projector can't make that noise. I don't know what the hell can make that noise. And they're like, oh, okay. Long story short, we left after the movie was over and they still hadn't even gone to look and see what was causing the banging. They didn't know what it was. They just kind of shrugged and they were like speculating amongst each other as we were leaving, but no one had actually looked to see what the fuck was happening. Hmm. Tweeted it out and I said, hey, MC, it'd be nice if, you know, when I hear something that sounds like gunshots, your staff actually like checked it out. And they contacted me. To AMC's credit, they contacted me and they're like, hey... Uh, message us with the incident, and I, I let them know, and they they said that they're going to contact relevant parties and let them know this is not okay. Um, so I was like, okay, that's cool at least. <laughs> so, hey, at least companies are responding to me on Twitter now. That's a weird feeling. Definitely good that they responded to you. Yeah. That's I, I would have liked to have been able to complain as well about the giant shit stain that was on the left side of our screen. Oh, uh, no. There was a huge – like if, if someone scaled up their body to the point where the, like uh, the movie screen was the size of their phone screen – and then, like, jammed their thumbprint across it. That is what it looked like on the left half of our screen. was just this nasty, giant thumbprint. And I was like, you couldn't see it for darker scenes, but anytime Black Widow was in, like, the sky or in a light area, such as, you know, white areas of the world or anything like that, it was just boom right there in your face. And I was like, this sucks. But anyway, that's all AMC's fault. Let's get into the movie Black Widow. So, Logan, I ranted about my experience of it. What's your general thoughts of Black Widow? What do you think of the film at large? And what do you think of the timing of its release as well? I'll start I'll start with general thoughts. Um so I think if I'm doing the math right, I believe we now have 24 MCU movies. Sounds so good. there's a hell of a lot of them. We got way way more MCU movies than we've got in, you know, Harry Potter or in Star Wars, you know, Middle Earth, um it it is literally any film series in the world, right? Nope, more. We have more of those. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Um, so I think we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, you know, we we had this incredible building crescendo where we went from like Thor Ragnarok to Black Panther to Infinity War to Endgame, and where do you go from there? And obviously, you know, you've got shows like WandaVision and uh, and Loki that have done really well for me. So Black Widow, yeah, Loki, Loki has drawn me back into the universe. Yes, but. Yes. That's a show. Right. Um, Black Widow is a, a movie that I, I had a lot of fun with and I really, really enjoyed. 
you know, is it top 10 MCU movies for me? No. Uh, is it bottom five? No, it's very middle of the pack for me. I'm looking at my list over on metal, uh, uh, letter boxed plug, plug. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got it in, in spot number 16 out of 24. That's, that's pretty so, respectable for a prequel. Cause this is a prequel and that's tough to pull off. Right. And it, it really does feel like it came out five years too late it really not too late but five years ago like it really feels like it should have come out around the time that ant-man and the wasp came out that thor ragnarok came out like it really should have been a 2017 2018 movie um because that's it's it's set immediately after civil war like weeks after civil war um they just clearly didn't prioritize this character until now. And that makes me wonder, do they know back then that they were going to kill Black Widow off, uh, Scarlett Johansson off in, uh, in Endgame at that point? I'm not sure. But this this really does like feel, not. I don't know if I want to say misstep to me, but just a weird scheduling yeah. thing. Because if, Mar- if, if the MCU has their their uh their ducks in a row like i want to give them credit for then this movie came out four years too late now i I realized that if it weren't for the pandemic we would have gotten this movie a year ago but even 2020 is three years too late this should have been a yeah midsummer 2017 kind of movie in my opinion canonically it takes place right after civil war right like she's on the run opening of this film literally the opening yes um and that's when it should have come out let's be honest that is when it should have come out. That's when it had the most relevance. It would have been a bit confusing because some of the things that this film leaves off as unsolved, and there are a few things, would have been weird to not pay off in the later films like Infinity War or Endgame. But whatever. I would have preferred these like hanging tendrils that didn't get paid off in these immediate films, but the timing was better rather than this. Because... Going backwards in the MCU is not unfounded. We literally went backwards in Endgame and in Loki in time travel, but it felt like the plot was progressing overall. With Black Widow, she's literally dead. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) The plot is not progressing. The character development for someone who is currently dead in the canon is a difficult thing for me to care about. And I like Black Widow. I want to care about Black Widow. I wanted this movie way – I wanted this movie instead of Captain Marvel. I wanted them to wait on Captain Marvel and do Black Widow first because she deserved it. Captain Marvel didn't. Captain Marvel as a character does deserve a film, but it, it the, the movie itself did not deserve to take place instead of Black Widow. Uh, especially since Black Widow has literally been there since Iron Man 2. Since the second film of the MCU in total, she's been there. And she didn't get a film until now. <laughs> exactly yeah pretty psychotic well, uh, yeah i i agree um one felt rushed one felt delayed and it's it is strange and i i've been thinking a lot about um how much different um um her her performance in endgame could have felt. maybe not her performance it's, this isn't scarlett johansson's fault let's be real her character her performance is fine yeah um uh the character uh, that character journey would have been so much more impactful so let's say you know you're at the beginning of endgame and you've got uh um scarlett johansson sitting uh in the office area and everyone's reporting in in a hologram kind of thing and then the hologram shut off and she sits there she starts crying while she eats her your her pb and j um and then captain america comes in and everything and you know th- i think that scene was was great it would have been five percent more emotional if we had known that Yelena had been snapped 
Yeah. And that she was missing her sister. Yeah. Like if she was sitting there looking at a picture of her sister crying while eating PB and J, there would have been 10% more emotion in that scene. And we would have known like, Oh my God, not only is she giving her life um, at the soul stone for, uh, um, uh, for Clint's family, and for the world and you know the universe but also she needs to bring her sister back yeah and i feel like that was such a missed opportunity and they can retrofit and reforce that back in all day long and that's I'm, I'll, I'll allow it I, I let star wars do that every month but um you know the mcu just isn't in the habit of doing that yet so it just feels a bit odd to me you know i do feel like and i, I will get into this but the ending ending of black widow the film could have been better with the rearranging of the timeline and having it to where her sister had been snapped and she was grieving both the Avengers and her sister at Endgame, I do think then that the end credit scene for Black Widow uh, couldn't have happened. But it, given the context of where it's placed now, I have a different preference for that that end credit scene. But we'll get there in a bit. Um, and it also would have paralleled her sister being gone and then her being gone. So that would have been cool. But... You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Let's get into the film as it stands, regardless of its position. Um, generally, it was okay. It was fine. When I when I walked out, my very first thing I said to the group I was with when I watched it, I said, hey, that was what every uh, Charlie's Angels film ever wanted to be. <laughs> all right. Okay. okay. And, and that may, that, that, I don't mean that insulting. I mean that in a good way. Right. Like, I think yeah. all the Charlie's Angels films wanted to be cool female-led action films that were also fun and just well-constructed and generally competently made. Like, they had a decent plot, they had good acting, they had good effects. Uh, you know, they had the power behind them to be good. I don't think Charlie's Angels has really ever hit that mark. That, you know, audience members may disagree with me. Who have. I I would agree. It, it stays a little bit too far in the campy, kitschy corner yeah. to approach. What I would say Black Widow is. is and that. I disagree. I think one of my friends said that they felt it got a little mission impossibly sometimes. And, like... Maybe in some of the spectacular action it did, but that's just kind of the MCU at this point. You got to have big action. That's right. not necessarily – Mission Impossible does not have a monopoly on that. But I do think – Mission Impossible is the wrong spy franchise. You could say it got a little borny at times. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there were some shaky cams. <laughs> there but, was definitely some Jason Bourne vibes. You know, Scarlett Johansson staring at herself in the sink in a greenish tinted yeah. room kind of, you know, like – Yes, but also she's a spy. Like yeah. that is, you know, we're in that genre, so they might make a few camera technique nods and homages to uh, the Bourne franchise, which is you know, still one of my favorite spy thriller kind of franchises out there. So it certainly yeah. doesn't bug me. So I mean, I I have a positive opinion of it overall. Will I watch this over and over again? Uh, I will probably see it maybe one more time if I if I meet someone who's not seen it and it's on Disney Plus and they're like, hey, I've never seen Black Widow. I'll be like, all right, we can watch it. Other than that, I don't have a, a driving need to see it again. Uh, not to say not everyone. Everyone did a pretty good job. Like I, the villain was just so normal. It was an evil white dude. Yes, and it's been done to death over and over and over. in. The Marvel Universe, the evil white guy behind the scenes, has been done to death. <laughs> so I'm I'm just a little over it. I think it would have been more interesting if it had been a woman as the villain. A woman doing this to women would have been very like, well, how can you justify this? You, you should know this is wrong. A man doing this to women, let's face it, 
they would. <laughs> like, if we had the technology, they do, they they do, do in this. real yeah. life. I've, I've sure. heard from like professionals in the industry, from like interviews and such, going from like YouTube, like there's those videos on YouTube where like a real life spy uh, critiques spies in films or whatever like that. And I've also read some interviews on like Wall Street Journal and stuff because I got real interested in like actual spy work back when Mission Impossible was uh, coming out again, like it's resurgence. And they say like, Countries do have sparrow programs. Like they actually exist. And they but America doesn't. They're like, we've never done sparrow programs, but they do exist and they are things that we have to counter. And I'm like, so that's really fucked up and we it does happen in real life. So okay. But I, I still would have thought it'd be it'd been more interesting if a woman had done it, to be honest. That this this guy had a pretty boring performance. But other than that, the main cast did a great job. I always like seeing Rachel Weiss. I think she could have been used a little more, but that's just me. Uh, again, same with David Harbour as Alexi. Uh, not exactly what I was expecting from his performance. I get it, but at the same time, his performance was so... His character was so comic, comic relief. relief. Yeah, that I have <laughs> no idea how he ever remained undercover. <laughs> how did he remain undercover? How did so Alexi, buffoony. for years fool americans into thinking he was american when the next time we see him he's just this bumbling weirdo who by the way claims he fought captain america in the 1980s which doesn't track and i'm guess i'm like is that is he referring to the black captain america uh was it elijah from falcon winter soldier did he fight him no he was he was talking about captain like the the chris evans captain america which like that's why the when he broke that guy's hand he was like you're talking about the 80s captain america was still under ice then no and then he like you know i'm i don't remember exactly what he said and my russian accent is terrible but you know that that was kind of the whole point was he was in um in play in the 80s but uh that was like 20 years before <laughs> chris evans uh was thought out yeah so i i, I don't know 15 years maybe just straight up lying no it was uh uh so the, when did the movie start 93 94 95 what do you, do you mean you remember the, the time start <laughs> so when the movie starts and they're both little girls when uh, that when that whole I thing mean, happens with the airplane do you remember probably the 90s at least because i mean i was a kid in the 90s it had to have been. Uh, and they would the little sister would have yeah, to be at so least let, like she's her 20s by this film so i would say the 90s yeah so i i think it's safe to say that the at least 15 year gap between red guardian going into prison and and our chris evans captain america coming out of the ice so there's at least a 15 year gap between yeah. the two of them. so i don't quite understand what that was referring to it never gets explained it kind of gets left off that's weird it seems like an odd thing to have it's just a gag if you're not going to pay it off um scott johansson and floris Pugh both did a great job scott johansson knows her character she did what she does with Black Widow. Florence Pugh was hilarious, um, but also played that she is the, like, Black Widow's the one that got out. She's the one that got out and ended up having some sort of a life. Florence Pugh, Yelana, is the one that did not get out. She's the one that has the darker perspective because, I mean, she's been literally mind-controlled into being a murderer. And that's where we're at, basically. So the plot of the movie is that Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, is brought into the fold by her sister who is released from her mind control by the Red Room by another Black Widow that had escaped. And it's just this kind of ongoing, I escape, I free you, you kill me, but you free another person, they kill you, and then you free them until it gets to Florence. 
then she's she's like, oh, I'm free and I have this chemical that can free Black Widows. I need to destroy the Red Room. Black Widow's like, I already destroyed the Red Room. She's like, no, you didn't. Which is honestly <laughs> kind of unoriginal. That's that's pretty much every spy thriller ever. That's every Bourne movie ever, fucking hell. It's, I destroyed, was it like Black Forest or whatever the hell they called those programs in those movies. And they're like, <laughs> Treadstone. No, you, you didn't destroy Treadstone. <laughs> Treadstone was just the upper level of Black Root. And Black Root was just the lower level of this organization. It's like, God right, damn it. Right, right, yes. So that's kind of annoying. But regardless, that is our goal. Destroy the Red Room. And so they, they break out their dad from prison or their... Their fake dad when they were a fake family in America, which they never explained what they were even doing in America as an undercover family. <sighs> I feel like uh, there's other than like just general Russian shit. <laughs> yeah, there's like some puzzle pieces you could kind of pick out. Like, I want to say it was something along the lines of um, what was the mom's name? Molina. She was they were stealing something that. Hell, see, I don't know, but yeah. they were stealing something that I thought helped them either with the pheromone, I think it was with the mind control. Maybe. Like, if it weren't for their mission in, in America at that time, the whole mind control aspect with the Black Widows would never have happened. Yeah. That was kind of like the vibe that I got when uh, uh, Florence Pugh was basically like, do you know who they experimented on with what you got out of America? It was me. It was my generation of Black Widows. We're the ones who were the first ones to be like mind controlled. Yeah. So that was kind of like my takeaway, but it's not, it's not explained told. very clearly. Yeah. And like no. Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, she said that her version of the Black Widow generation were like very mentally broken. You see kind of some of it in Age of Ultron, but they kind of retconned a little of that. Not a ton, but it just doesn't feel like it fits quite in the in the world that we're in of Black Widow. But she was just mentally broken. I say just. But uh, she wasn't mind controlled like uh, Yelena was, her younger sister. And but... She did have some chemical fucker in her brain. We'll talk about that later and how that's stupid. Um, but so that that's the movie. I, I can't really dig any deeper than that. They're just going out to fight the Red Room and destroy it. They, they have some obstacles. Now, one of the major obstacles, which I was excited about and also have mixed feelings about now, was Taskmaster. And that was played by the weirdly typecast, for some reason, Olga. Hang on. Olga Kurilenko. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. She's a great actress, but the weird thing is she's casted a lot as someone who's just got so much emotional baggage that she doesn't hardly talk. <laughs> she gets oh, I cast. I didn't recognize her. What else has she been in? I mean, the most notable thing I've seen her in personally, I mean, she's in Oblivion with Tom Cruise from 2013. I remember her in that. She does. She has a better role I've in that. I've not seen that. She's in Quantum of Solace with Craig, Fer uh, Craig Ferguson, <laughs> Daniel Craig. Uh, James Bond. Okay, she's got okay. the burns. She's like PTSD because her parent, her mother was like assaulted and killed. And her father was killed by a big man and she was left to die in a burning building. And then her life was vengeance against that big evil man. Well, guess what? In this movie, when she's a little girl, she gets blown up and burned to pieces. And a big evil man, her father in this case, rebuilds her as Taskmaster and she's like robotically implanted and controlled to copy all fighting styles and to do all the things physically that everyone needs to do to fight other people. And that's all true of Taskmaster. He can copy everything. But one, Taskmaster in the comics is a guy. I don't care. 
I don't care if it's a woman or a guy in the films. It is literally built to be a dude, to look like a guy in the movie until it's revealed that it's her. Well, the stunt actor is a guy. The stunt actor is a guy, and the costume is built like a guy. The whole point is you don't know it's a girl until she takes the helmet off, and Black Widow is even like, whoa, right. I didn't know that was a girl. It's a misdirect. Um, so that I have questions about why that misdirect. Did he plan for people to think that she was a guy? <laughs> Did he not want people to know that Taskmaster was a girl? Other than for the audience... What was that smoke and mirrors for? I don't know. Um, but other than that, she's not interesting. The moment the helmet comes off, she's not interesting. She's got a mental implant that makes her do everything he tells her to. Cool. So that's just a different version of a Black Widow. That's not... All right. <laughs> I don't know. What do you What do you feel about Taskmaster as a villain? I don't know much about Taskmaster. I've seen lots of people you know, cry out that this isn't their taskmaster. I've seen a lot of people say, well, according to this particular line of comics, this is literally taskmaster. It's not the most popular version, but it is a, a version. Um, you know, they've obviously done some retrofitting to fit the MCU's uh, timeline and all that kind of stuff, but it's not the taskmaster that I feel like I'm familiar with. Um, so I, I didn't care. I thought the, the, uh, the, the mask was amazing. Like the design yeah, the costume was straight up Taskmaster. Like I, uh, I saw it and I recognized it as yes. Taskmaster. It looked wonderful. Like all the different close ups and stuff of the 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 paint on the mask. I was like, yes, um, that looked really cool. Uh, the way Taskmaster moved, uh, I thought was 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 great. Uh, the stunts that they did were wonderful. Um, I th- I honestly think the best action scene in the whole movie, uh, at least in ter- well, maybe not the best. One of my favorites is that first action scene between uh, Natasha and um, Taskmaster. That one really got me. Like when that rocket hits the car, I was like, "Whoa, okay!" Like I, d- I was not expecting that to happen. Yeah. Um. So that was that was I was expecting something, I guess, but not that. So I thought that was well done. Um. But I, I didn't. I, it's kind of one of those things where, like, no, I didn't predict that it was the daughter. Because uh, I thought the whole point of uh, Drakov's daughter was that she was dead. Like, you know, we've talked about her since Loki, you know, in, in uh, the yeah. Avengers, you know, all that red in your ledger, Drakov's daughter, like, can you really wipe it out? So I, in my mind, I had written that character off as dead. I guess I fell for that smoke and mirror. Well, I mean, um, and then when they revealed it, I was like, oh, all okay, they do cool. like it, it, is give her more reason to feel guilty uh, because she's already told by her sister, like, it's already weird that she broke apart the, the Red Room and destroyed the Black Widow program, as far as she knew, and then didn't look for her sister at all. I agree. And just assumed she was okay. Until now, in this film, when she's like, no, I destroyed the Red Room. Her sister's like, no, you didn't. I've been in it since you thought you got out. So, feel bad for not checking on me. And she does. She feels guilty for that. And this whole film is about them bonding and rebonding and relearning to trust each other after Natasha kind of just, you know, forgot she existed. Um, <laughs> and it's been at least, what, seven years? Ten years, maybe? Yeah, since- a while. She just left her sister to fucking yes. deal with it. Um, but then they like, oh, well, now you should also feel bad because you didn't just kill his daughter. You maimed her and forced her into this fate that is hell for her. I'm like, no, that's kind of on Drakov. He kind of built her into Taskmaster. I agree that killing his daughter was a bit heartless. But at the same time, her goal was to destroy a mass manipulator sociopathic murderer you know psychopath a man who was going to murder anyone who stood in his way to power and control the world governments with a army of super assassin ladies so 
her job was kind of clear cut. She kind of needed to kill him. Mm -hmm. Just like in this film, she needs to kill him. It has to happen. So her death and subsequent mutilation is unfortunate, but the film pitches it like Natasha needs to redeem herself and save his daughter because she made a mistake in trying to kill her. And I'm like, that is weird. I get that killing little girls yeah. is bad, but like, why are we double guilt tripping Natasha in this film with both girls? Yeah. And that, that to me, so everything about this movie works, but the last 30 minutes, um, like I, I love Yelena. Like this is one of the, the, the best like MCU performances I've seen, um, in the last couple of years. She's just, she's so funny the way that she's just uh so casually deconstructing natasha's character uh you know the whole um you know you're such a poser thing you know why do you whip your hair like this like i loved that that was really really funny uh she's just really great her performance is the singular best part of this whole movie for me and she's to me she's the main character she's the one who has the journey that she goes on yeah um she's the one who frees all the widows at the end you know she does all this stuff and what doesn't work for me is that I feel like this movie should have been more Yelena focused, but we basically give Natasha her own version of the Winter Soldier here, where you literally have Taskmaster is the Bucky character, the old character coming back to kill you because of mind control. And you have the Red Room, which is literally... Um, uh, Hydra, like I thought I killed this organization a long time ago. Oops, I did it. Now I got to kill him again for real this time. Yeah. It's literally Hydra. So she's going on the beat for beat character journey that I feel like Captain America went on in the Winter Soldier. And she was the main side character in that movie. So it's like, didn't we already do this? Like, can we not come? Like, I yeah. I get that there are versions of the Red Room, like the whole, like, uh, pheromones, and I got to break my nose to, to, to take you out. Like, all that is straight out of comics. And I understand that. Like, I, I appreciate Marvel's attention to detail with uh, uh, respecting the, 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 uh, the, the comic source. I just, this movie just didn't feel very original. It was so close to the Winter Soldier story that it, it felt more hollow and heartless than it needed to be. And not yeah. that it needed to be hollow or heartless to begin with, but it, it, then it, then it, then it, then they meant it to be is what I'm trying to I say. I think that's why a lot of people have been saying Winter Soldier is a better Black Widow film than this is. I don't really agree with that. I think they both have their ups and downs with Black Widow as a character. She definitely had a lot of chemistry with Chris Evans, but I also like her chemistry with Florence Pugh. And so I'm glad this film exists in the sense that we got Florence Pugh and I want Florence Pugh to be the new Black Widow oh, yeah. for the new Avengers. That has to happen. But we'll get into that later. As, since we're already here, let's jump into it. Uh, so we, we've, we've done our homework. We, we figured out where we got to go to get the Red Room. They make it really easy on us and they, they come for the heroes and the heroes just fake their own capture and they're in the heart of the beast. Now it's time to fight. Seems pretty easy given how hard it is to find the Red Room, but whatever. Um, we go full on altered carbon and it's a floating base. Uh, you remember the helicarriers, the fucking Avengers helicarriers? Yeah, that technology has been blasted by, apparently, with no one noticing. How has no one noticed this floating fortress yeah. for 10, 15 years? You notice how Hydra thought that their plan was clever in Winter, uh, Winter, not Winter, was it? Yeah, it was Winter Soldier, where they were going to take the fleet of helicarriers and wipe out the world of, uh, of people that they didn't like. And that was their big plan. Meanwhile, 
apparently Dracov's over here in this floating city going, oh, how cute. You want floating helicarrier fleet. I have giant city building flying in the sky full of angry, <laughs> murderous women who are all under my control. Oh, I did not like it. It's just weird. It would have been better if it was underground or some shit. Like, floating building yeah, was a bit much. I was expecting a cave system or something. And it was not that hard to find, to be honest. They, it kind of just fell in their laps. Uh, they get there, finally, and there's some there's some fuckery on how people get where they're going. I won't go into detail, because that was kind of fun. Um, but overall, Natasha ends up with a room with Dracoff. Alexi, David Harbour, ends up in a room with Taskmaster. Uh, the Taskmaster fight with Red Guardian was incredibly underwhelming. Yes. Uh, I don't I even really, remember it. I wanted Red Guardian to be more than just a fat gut and some hard punches. There's a moment earlier in the film when they're trying to make their escape from America where you're not quite aware of, like, what kind of guy we're dealing with here. Like, is he super powered? Is he just a specialist? And he grabs, a like, a big old trailer, like a thing you cannot lift as a person, and just fucking hurls it out of right. the way as they're making their escape from America. And everyone I was sitting with went, holy shit! And, like, that was the biggest reaction Red Guardian got for the whole film. The whole film. And that was his opening. Other than that, he had nothing. I mean, fuck, the guy was played for so much comic relief, they make a joke about gas in their helicopter. They're like, we'll make it. Then they smash cut to the helicopter just smashing into the ground. I did not like that and joke. I, I was like, that wasn't a great joke. Why couldn't we have just been like, oh, we don't have enough gas. So they land and they find a different route. Why did it have to be a crash landing? Why did it have to be a hilarious crash landing? Haha, <laughs> giggles. It just seemed odd to me. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't like Alexi's fight with uh, Taskmaster. Then we have Scarlet Natasha's fight with Dracov. I say fight; it's more of a villain monologue. The man—it's a conversation. Got him monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you mentioned the pheromones are part of the comics. I kind of hate them. I I don't like the idea that he fucked with the pheromones of these women to the point where if they smell him, they can't cause him any violence because he made the pheromones fight their brain right. to the point where their brain they, it's so convoluted and weird it's, it screams comic book it is something that would be in comic books but in a movie it doesn't really it makes read. me ask so many questions like could she have just yeah. plugged her nose if her mom like, knew about it too her mom even like you get a flashback of her mom warning her that this is going to be a problem when you try and fight him because if you go near him, you're not going to be allowed to fight him. Your body's going to reject it. So get some nose plugs, widow. What are you doing? Pull out, like, rip some cloths off your costume and stuff it up your nose. I do – the most badass moment in the film comes from it. But so that's why I have mixed feelings. I really like when Black Widow just fucking breaks her own nose against the desk. Like, it is a badass-looking move. When that moment happened, I was like, oh, my God. Like it that, looked, I cringed, was, you know? Cause I, I, it was I, so cool. I hit my nose hard with the baseball bat at one point, and it's got a, a – it didn't break, but it got close. So, like, yeah. I had that nose pain of, like, ooh, ooh flashbacks. <laughs> no thanks. Ooh. No, I've, I've smashed my nose before. Yes. Uh, it's been somewhat broken and crooked, and I had to do the same thing Natasha did and, quote-unquote, snap it back into place. doesn't feel great. We'll never do that again if I can help it. I don't know how she didn't um, cry for 10 minutes after she did that. She just, she didn't. Because she's a badass. I just, I can't <laughs> fathom. She's a fucking uh, badass. Just, and I love that moment because it sold her as a badass. She's like, you know what? No, fuck you. And just breaks her fucking nose. She's like, I can't smell you now, bitch. And just beats the shit out of him. I liked that moment, but I didn't like why it had to happen. I just didn't like it. And then, and then everything gets hunky-dory because her sister comes along 
when she's getting the absolute ass beat out of her by the other Black Widows, her sister sprays the room with the red stuff and frees all the Black Widows. And they're like, oh, no, we, we were evil. We didn't mean to be evil. And then they have to find Dracoff. They do. They kill him in a very unsatisfying way. He blows up in a plane. Woo. Just like every other Mission Impossible villain ever. They blew up. And the, his glasses, like, fly off in slow motion before they get <laughs> absorbed into the explosion in yeah. the helicopter. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> why'd you have to do that? It's so cheesy. Overall, I have, I have mixed feelings about the finale. I liked pretty much every moment Yelena had. Uh, Florence Pugh, I agree with you that she was a standout in the cast. I want her as Black Widow coming in the future. So we will we'll get to the end credit scene after you've had your piece about it. What did you think of the overall final third act, the dalliance of the film? I I would say right up until you get to the uh, floating fortress in the sky, the movie was like an eight and a half out of ten for me. Like I was having so much fun. Um, I was there for the ride. Uh, I, I really liked the characters. I liked the dynamic. I was I was really getting excited that the the four family you know quote unquote family members had just come back together during that dinner scene. Um, and I I was vibing with everyone's chemistry. I I definitely did not trust Melina. I knew she was going to stab them in the back, but then she's and like anti stabbed them in the back. Um, yeah, reverse stab. <laughs> reverse stabs. Um. Which was, you know, it, it, eh, it was all right. Um, I, I almost would have preferred if Melinda had just gone full evil or something. But there is just something about that whole third act that just I don't care for. I just didn't. I don't. I don't care for Ray Winstone's performance in this movie. It was too understated. Like I, I understand that the purpose of this is, uh, you need this really really fucking twisted bastard who is basically taking advantage of human trafficking to create this spy syndicate. And I, I get the premise there. It just felt like they got 50, 50% of the way there with execution. Um, like I needed more world building with this, uh, with the red room, in my opinion, it, it just, we barely got there and 20 minutes later it was blown up. And that was yeah. that. I, I feel like I needed more sense of, uh, other people leading the organization. You know, there's got to be more lieutenants yeah, or something as, like that. Aside from other Black Widows, who else is manning the city station? We see right. soldiers. Where, there's all these dudes, security guards. Why? Yeah, are they mind controlled too? <laughs> Do they? Yeah. Because a lot of them dove off of the building to attack them as they like uh, after, as the Red Guardian and them ran away and like got on the plane and flew away. The soldiers jumped off with no parachutes and were just shooting at the plane as they were skydiving. I'm like, so are they mind controlled to the point where they'll kill themselves? Because they just killed themselves. They just jumped off of a building with no parachutes, no plan, and they're going to hit the ground. And there were several of them doing that. And I was like, I don't understand. So how far does this go? I have a lot of questions. Right. No answers. There's no scientists anywhere. There's no administrators anywhere. Thin. There's right. nothing. It's very thin. <laughs> Um, so that to me is where the movie really took a dip. Um, and I was like, okay, I just went from like an 8.5 to a seven from like an overall perspective with the movie. Um, I still enjoyed it. I still had a lot of fun with it. I, I just, you know, do I want the guy who played Beowulf in here? Is this guy like, there's something about like Ray Winstone just doesn't feel like the right character, the right actor in this performance. If it was like, I'm just going to pull for a creepy guy. Um, uh, Lars Mikkelsen 
If it was Lars Mickelson, that could have been better, in my opinion. Um, he seems like a, a better actor for that particular thing. Um, I I understand where they're coming from. Like, there's the line where he was like, you know, I, I wanted to take advantage of the world's most disposable resource, girls. Like, okay. Little girls. <laughs> right. Cackle, cackle, evil, evil. Um, and I don't know. There's just something about it that, like... I either needed more backstory with why this guy was so sexist in order to justify the just complete ridiculous blatant because like there's a whole ton of boys out there that could you could be exploiting too like yeah. why just women like why not both like it it just it makes me ask so many questions that they don't answer very well um and I don't think they ever will they're never going to come back to the red room like I just I don't see that happening maybe well maybe with Yelena but I mean she's off to kill Hawkeye now, you know, so, um, apparently, yeah, apparently, uh, but I, I just, the red room was disappointing. Hydra was built up so much better, so much better than the red room was. Um, movie overall, I still have a lot of fun. I enjoyed the, the kind of little innuendos about, uh, the Budapest and how Clint Barton, like, you know, was sent there to kill her, but then ended up deciding to recruit her. Um, you know, there are lots of little shades of, uh, of, of that mission there that we got through the movie I thought was handled well. It wasn't this big, giant, blatant, um, beat you over the head with the, you know, the, 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 the joke from the Avengers line. Um, so I enjoyed the movie overall. I thought the, the, uh, really it's, it's Yelena for me. It was their chemistry that just, uh, carried this movie. The action itself is fine. Got a little MCU-y, of course. Um, I think the, the the rescuing the Red Guardian was probably the singular best action set piece in the entire movie. Probably, yeah. But, I mean, I had fun, you know? Like, that was just, it, it, that's the thing with these MCU movies. I just, I have fun. And, you know, look, watching Yelena, like, sh- uh, get shot at in that helicopter in the snow. And then she takes the uh, rocket launcher and blows up the whole tower. And then there's the avalanche that happens. And she's like, that would be a cool way to die. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it would. You're awesome. <laughs> this is not um, a cool way to die. Yeah, I liked that recurring joke. Yeah. That was funny. Uh, yeah. So, speaking of her... That brings us to the end credit uh, scene because Yelena is in it. She goes to Black Widow's grave, which, by the by, is it not disrespectful to put the Black Widow symbol on her grave in the context of this film? I have that exact same thought. (laughs) It seems like you'd want to put the Avengers A on her grave rather than her Black Widow symbol because in the end, that's what she died for was the Avengers, not Black Widows. I Um, thought the exact same thing. And it's a symbol created by a man who just absolutely tore apart lives, women's lives. So, yeah, like, are we going to put Hail Hydra on Captain yeah, America's tombstone? Yeah, it's going to be the fucking octopus on his tomb. <laughs> yeah, which is funny you would mention him, though, because I was, a, I, it, I get it, that originally Black Widow was supposed to set up the Julie Louise, Julie Louise Dreyfus character that we saw in Falcon the Winter Soldier talking to yes. uh, agent U.S. agent. Uh, what he ended up becoming U.S. agent. Given, now that I've seen that end credit scene, I have no idea who the fuck she is still. Like, I know conceptually, because I looked her up and such, and I know what she's being based on, but she didn't, like, I don't know what her goal is. Why does she want to point Yelena at Clint Barton and have her kill him? What does she have against Clint Barton? He's retired. 
<laughs> right. He he did the end game thing, and then he's going back to living with his family. He the whole whole reason he was in Endgame was because he wanted to get his family back and retire. He's no longer doing his thing. So why she wants him dead, I don't know. That it won't. I don't know what kind of agenda that's pushing. Um, it's it's not just that she's getting a team together with U.S. Agent and Yelena. She's pointing them at people for some reason. Uh, and that kind of annoys me too because Yelena's like, "Oh yeah, hello, lady." Uh, yeah, this man killed my sister. I'm going to take your word on that because I've never seen her body. She died on an alien planet. How do I know any context of how she died? I don't know. Do exactly. I have conversations with the Avengers ever? I don't know. Yep. This, it doesn't make sense to me. Also, it would have been better is if at her grave was the Avengers. Not You don't even have to get all of them. Just get old Cap. Have old Captain America come up to Black Widow's grave or Banner. Or anyone. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand this Julie Louise Dreyfus character because we've, we've seen her twice now and I don't know who the fuck or what the fuck she wants. The very first time I ever saw Nick Fury, the one time I saw him at the end of Iron Man, I knew exactly what he wanted. He told us his name, told us he was putting together a team, and there was a wider world to explore. Bing, bada, boom, done in a couple minutes, out. Done in seconds, honestly. These two appearances from Julie Louise, fuck if I know what the hell she wants. <laughs> And I don't need her whole master plan. I don't need spoilers, but I need to know why I should give a shit. I agree. I don't know anything about her either. I mean, I know her character's name. I'm just going to read it off. Uh, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Like, I, I don't know much about that character. Um, I'm aware that character in the comics has got some tie-ins to the Thunderbolts. Uh, so there's some speculation that, uh, you know, you could you could bring in um, uh, Agent, uh, uh, U.S. Agent and and uh, Yelena, and there's there's several other Thunderboltian characters that they've kind of had around in the MCU lately. So I think Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp was one of them. Um, obviously, you could have, you know, Thunderbolt Ross turn into the Red Hulk, and that's a whole thing that they've done in the comics. If we're going to get to that before William Hurt dies. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, because uh, he's he's getting he's up there in age. Pretty old, everybody. He was born in 1950. Yeah, <laughs> man is 71 years he's, old. I don't know that a 71 year old guy playing the Hulk would work, but uh, okay. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where they're going with this at the moment. I don't care. Like I just, yeah, you know, none of the things that it left off. Because like, where are all the Black Widows? They were all freed. Right. There was at least a dozen of them. Where are they? Does Yele- does Yelena have them? Is Are they at her disposal or did she just go out? Did they go out to live their lives? That's fine. If they all decided to go out and live their lives, I don't blame them given the fact of what they've been through. But that is still a, a plot point left off. Like that, that's a lot of dangerous people just out there. Sure. To quote Thunderbolt Ross from Civil War, if I lost a couple megaton megaton nukes, you bet there'd be consequences. <laughs> and I'm going to say an entire team of Black Widows that can take down entire countries going missing and we don't know where they are is the same thing. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Captain uh, – not Captain um, – Falcon and the Winter Soldier was all about the, uh, the superhero serum uh, that was, you know, going around. Which um, apparently has been figured out over and over again because we have the Red Guardian. We have – Bucky, we have U.S. Agent. Right. There's so many super. We have Elijah from Elijah, like the, the 70s guy, and yeah, the yeah, Vietnam yeah. War or whatever. So the the problem with this now is the super soldier serum is so diluted in its specialness that Cap is just one of many now. Right. And yeah, I know personally he's not one of many, but physically he now is, and that is just 
it's I guess it was inevitable, but at the same time, it kind of feels cheap. Yeah, it, it feels like they're setting something up, but I'm not sure what that is. You know, obviously, like, Agent 47, they're, you know, that I get where they're going with that. But, yeah, I agree. It feels like this, like, the superhero serum is, uh, it's been used a lot as a MacGuffin. And I'm ready for it to not be the focus anymore. Yes. Um, ready, ready for that to move on. Um... But I, I'm excited to see what happens with Yelena. I, I really didn't like that end credit scene. I don't care about her going after no, Hawkeye. Like, it didn't matter. I, I just, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I feel like as soon as they talk to each other, they tie into work. the Hawkeye show with his daughter. What does that even matter? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. But so, uh, yeah. final thoughts. On final Black thoughts. Widow. Six out of ten. And I, I give it that because... I'm not personally going to watch it again. It was a it was well put together film, well shot, well acted. Uh, it, it just has a lot of very generic plot issues that it is not unique in these issues, but it is perpetuating them, and I don't like that. Uh, you know, Kate Shortland has not done a ton of directing. She's got eleven credits to her name, but she's been in the business for a long time. She's been there since 1998 when she was doing some shorts. She's been writing since 1998, and she's been doing a bunch of stuff on TV and whatnot. So she's not an unpracticed hand, but I, this looks like to be one of her biggest projects uh, in her lineup. So, you know, well done. I, I don't have any, like, I don't want to shit on anybody who, who doesn't have, like, a repertoire of many, many epic films in there. Like, if Steven Spielberg made this film and it was this generic, I would tell Steven Spielberg to uh, maybe retire. Um, <laughs> but... With this, uh, with the director in context, I think it's a six out of ten, and I look forward to her getting more opportunities to, to grow uh, as a director if she does get that chance. So that's my final thoughts. Yeah, I, I seven out of ten for me. Um, I just I had a lot of fun with it. The final act was where most of the problems came to a head. Everything before that, I could accept or forgive, uh, but that final act, everything was supposed to pay off, and I didn't get that payoff. So. Um, that's where my, my score falls, you know, the standout performance for me, it's, it's definitely, uh, Florence Pugh, but I also had a blast with Scarlett Johansson. I thought she did a really good job. I will miss her as Black Widow. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I enjoyed this movie, you know, the whole, the whole Russian thing. Uh, I, I had fun with it. I like Russian accents. Seeing all these folks do Russian accents was fun. I thought they did pretty solid Russian accents. I don't know that anyone just completely fell on their face with it. So props to all the British and American folks in here doing a pretty... Anyone in Russia, if you're listening to this, let us know how they did on the Russian yes. accents. Uh, yes. Honestly, though, yeah, we may have one listener in Russia, but if you are the one, let us know how they did on the Russian accents. Yep. Um, but other than that, do you want to get on to the next film? We'll go over quickly your uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines on Netflix. Yes, let's go. Okay, so uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Uh, this is a... I've only ever seen the first half because it's long and i wasn't impressed but you said it got better yes so okay what are your thoughts on this movie this is a very uh weird quirky interesting movie um i'm having a hard time comparing it to anything else I, it's been a while since i've watched a lot of uh, movies animated movies like this that are more lighthearted and, and fun in nature I, I typically gravitate more towards your darker grittier kind of shit but um, Mitchell's versus the Machines uh, came out this year. Uh, it's a two-hour animated movie on Netflix. Uh, debuted back in April. I'd heard some positive things about it, uh, so I wanted to check it out. And basic concept here: um, you, the whole focus is on this family, the Mitchell family, 
and uh, there's mom and there's dad and there's a, a teenage girl who's about to go off to college and then there's a younger son. Let's just say he's like 10 or 13, something like that. Um, and they decide to uh, take a big college road uh, road trip together to drop the daughter off at college uh, so they can have like one big last family vacation before, you know, their lives kind of change as they kind of grow up and get a little bit older. And on this particular journey, uh, there is a big tech smartphone AI company uh, that releases a iRobot type of robot helper thing, uh, and it decides that it wants to take over the world. So the robots round up all of the humans, and uh, they decide they want to jettison all the humans out into space, Wally style and rule the planet of Earth. And the Mitchell family just happens to be the only group of humans they can't seem to round up. So it's up to the Mitchells to save humanity and defeat the big evil Apple Google company in the movie and uh, save humanity. So this movie, I think, uh, trying to remember what the the specific uh, cinematic term for this is uh, or critical term for this is, but there's, there's basically one big thing where you have to accept it or you're going to have a hard time with this movie. And it's that no matter how scary this apocalypse gets, the major priority is still getting to college. <laughs> like they could be the, they're the only family left in the world. They're not thinking about everyone else's lives. They're not thinking about food or rations or anything like that. Um, uh, you know, they're thinking about, we have got to get back on the road to get to college. <laughs> and it, it just, it's so ridiculous. Like all of the emotional, um, uh, uh, disputes between this family, and there are many. It, it, most of it centers back between the dad and the daughter. Um, you've got Abby ja- uh, Jacobson voicing Katie, uh, the the eighteen year old is about to go to college, and Danny McBride is voicing Rick, the dad. Um, while we're talking about family, you've got Maya Rudolph as Linda, and uh, I am trying to remember the son's name right now. If it's Aaron, that's it's Mi- Michael Rionda. Michael Rionda Aaron. is Aaron. Yeah, he doesn't have much of an IMDb presence because he was mostly. Mostly he's an additional crew uh, for Gravity Falls or a writer. Huh, he's been okay, an actor in a okay. couple things. All right. uh, but he doesn't even have a profile picture on I see that. Uh, IMDb. Right. To be honest, Aaron was my favorite part of the movie. I know I only saw half of it, but Aaron <laughs> cracked me up. I didn't laugh at hardly any of this film the first half except for him. Like He actually got me a few times. In terms of everyone else, at least for the first half, the dad was annoying daughter was kind of annoying i I understood them and i sympathized with their perspectives and how they were misunderstanding each other but it was one of those scenarios where it's that old fucking trope where in real life if you just talked for longer than 10 seconds yes you would understand what the actual problem yes rather than everyone constantly just fucking running apart from each other and ignoring each other i know people have difficulty communicating in real life but in media it's done up to the point where they just literally don't talk about anything and proceed to hate each other. Yeah. And it happens in shows, movies, and I'm tired of it in 2021. That's kind of one of the reasons why I turned the film off. Yeah. It's just the the communication is definitely bad. And that's the that's the thing. Like if if that kills your mood and kills your vibe, then you're probably going to struggle with this movie and not enjoy it because I I wouldn't say that gets fixed or, you know, changes or anything like that in the second half. What what saves this movie for me, and what what ended up making me come over to the 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 light on this movie, 
There's, well, it's not really any particular one thing. This this is one of those strange movies where, like, I know I could I could make the condescending, like, oh, it's a kids movie. Like, I, I could totally do that, and I will say that about some movies. There are some movies out there that are clearly made for children primarily. Mitchell's versus the Machines on the surface looks like that, but it it really feels like a bunch of big kid adults made this movie like the animation style is really really unique it's really well done there's a whole lot of animated accents that happen throughout the movie that i just i, I don't think i could like verbally explain mm-hmm. but they're really really well done um and ultimately what i liked the the robots humor just really got me you've got uh beck bennett playing eric and you've got uh, Fred Armisen playing uh, Deborah Bot Five Thousand. Um, they are, are two of the robots that are that are in this movie. Uh, you've also got Olivia Coleman playing Pal, the big evil bad robot in this movie. Um, they they have a humor that really cracks me up. And I know, like, I think there are moments where this movie is aiming for kids, but then with all of this tech stuff and like evil cell phones and whatnot, like it is so clearly made for adults. Like a five year old is not going to get like all of this stuff like it's clearly yeah like a kid's movie packaged as a kid's movie but so very clearly written for uh for older folks not old old folks but you know uh folks who are older than five <laughs> um and i i enjoyed it like you get to the end of the movie and some of the big action scenes i was like holy shit like i had no clue the movie was gonna go here but it gets pretty intense with some of the action at the end of the movie um, I, I, I don't know if I want to get into spoilers yet because this is a newer movie, but um, I enjoyed the third act of this movie more than the first act or the middle act of the movie. I, I thought that they did a really good job with uh, just some of the meta, like ironic kind of humor that they uh, infuse into this movie. Um, I thought it was well done. I think this is one of those movies that you, if, you know, if you've got a five-year-old, you could put it on and they're going to laugh and they're going to have fun. But I think the adults will actually enjoy this more. Probably. Yes, you've got that insufferable communication between dad and daughter and it it grinds my gears too. Like I, I, I'm not gonna, you know, forgive it or ignore that aspect of the, cause it's so fucking annoying. You could just talk to each other. Like the whole, like inciting incident at the beginning is, uh, she just wants to get away because she feels like dad is overbearing and he's not ready to let her go yet and accidentally breaks her laptop and destroys a whole bunch of her video footage and whatnot. And to make up for that, he decides to cancel her plane ticket and put her in the back seat for a multi-day car yeah. road trip. Because any sane person <laughs> would choose that as their way to fix their relationship that has been a multi-year broken down relationship naturally i get it it's ridiculous it's a cartoon this man is not real but i've seen cartoons that didn't make decisions that just weirded me out like this fuck i mean just talk about a movie that is brought to you by people so from the humans that brought you spider-man into the spider-verse guess what that's a movie about a kid who has a strained relationship with his dad and it handles it thousand times better than this oh yeah that feels way more real and authentic yes there's miscommunication between the parent and him but it's not done up to the point where it feels ridiculous like this is his dad doesn't just yank him out of school and decide to go on a road trip or some weird shit like that his dad just constantly tries to talk to him and that's what should be happening here 
We can still have the plot without them even needing to go on the road trip. Just disregard her plane tickets regardless, at all, entirely in the script. Cut it out. Have it be that it was always a plan, much to her dismay, but it was always the plan that they would drive her to college. And just cut out this that would, random idea from That would bed. win you over to his side a little bit more. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that would make him less of a complete stupid fucking idiot in the first like act yeah, of this movie. Yeah, he is unbearably stupid. I don't understand how he ever had a family and raised people who are normal because he's just a moron at the beginning yes. of this movie. I know it's voiced by Danny McBride, but that doesn't mean he has to be a moron. Danny McBride's capable of more than just that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, yeah, it's it's just weird. I will say one of the things that they do that really got me because I was like going back and forth through this movie, like yeah, all right, these last ten minutes have been pretty silly. Like oh, all right, this is something. This is cool. Um, one of the things that that uh, got me towards the end, and when I say got me, I mean like a, an emotional thing that I was like oh, oh, I wasn't expecting this level of emotion in this in this moment of this movie. Um. Uh, there, there's something to do with uh, this little wooden, I think it's like a moose or something like that, that she has. And you find out some meaning behind that moose that, like, movie doesn't set you up like this moose has sentimental value. Like, it's just one of 25, like, things that she has. And there's a moment where she throws it away and the dad pulls it out of the trash. And then towards the very end of the movie, you find out why he pulled it out of the trash. And I was like okay that is too smart for this movie like i didn't expect this level of emotional depth with that particular like (laughs) thing like okay i'm having like i don't have a daughter yet but this is getting to me like okay all right thanks movie um but i I just emotional assault yeah it 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 went there with some stuff with some family stuff um that i just i wasn't expecting there to be in this type of movie it's like it it wants you to think that it's a cloudy with the chance of meatballs level ridiculous buffoonery kind of movie but then it pulls out some real weighty emotional shit towards the end uh, that i was impressed by so um you know i'm not you know you know this is not a nine out of ten ten out of ten kind of movie experience by any stretch of the imagination um but you know if if uh if I were in a room with a five-year-old that I needed to entertain for two hours, this would be a, a solid pick to put on. I would rather watch this than, God, I don't know, Coco Melon or one of the other kid shows that people watch these days. So, um, yeah. although I guess Coco Melon is more for babies, but, <laughs> I, you know. Anyway, uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Uh, a little bit of a rough start, but it's kind of one of those kids' movies that uh, needs to get into gear, and it's got to shift gears a few times. And once the the madness takes over, there's some meta humor that I love, some action scenes that I love. Uh, these characters eventually do find their groove as a family, uh, and when they do, it's a lot of fun. When they don't have their groove together, they are nails on a chalkboard. Um, but once they come together, uh, everything after that I had fun with. So uh, I, I, I guess I'm leaning on the recommendation side of it for me. Cool. I, I definitely want to finish it someday. I know a lot of people who I respect their opinion on media have enjoyed it. So I, I kind of want to try and see what they're seeing. But as it stands right now, I just don't. So it's it's sitting half done on my Netflix queue for a, a while now, and I think it'll probably sit there for a bit more before I click on it again. But I'm glad you had a good time with it. All said and done. Uh, anything else further you want to say on it? Because I've I've not finished it, so I don't have a whole ton to say other than what I what I have. No, that is that is it for me. I know you got a lot going on over the next month. I would I, come back to it at Christmas or something like that. Like come back to it in a few months. Um, 
get get all the way through it. I think you'll enjoy it, but it also it just may not be for you, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. That is basically the end of this episode, I guess you could say, because <laughs> uh, we talked about Black Widow, Mitchells versus the Machines. And that's what we're going to do today because we have uh, announcements to make here, and they're going to be relatively sh- relatively short because it's not very complicated. As any normal person would be able to pick up, I'm moving. Now, what does that mean? Am I moving across town? Am I moving apartments? No, and no, I am actually moving into a house, and I am moving across country. I'm moving from Missouri over to California. Uh, now that is a multi-day drive. Uh, it's a, it's a multi-day endeavor. It's been a long time coming. I gotta get out to California. I want to move forward with my media life, my life in, in the business, so to speak. Um, and so that's going to be an, a bit of an adjustment period. I'm not going to have a job going out there when I get there. So I, that's item number one is find an opportunity there, uh, whether it be a survival job or a job job, who knows? But that is upcoming. Uh, literally, as you are listening to this episode, uh, I will be packing my boxes still. And by this weekend, uh, after this Wednesday, I'll be in the process of driving. So you will not get an episode next week, unfortunately. Uh, and you, you may not even get an episode the week after. Uh, the reason we're making this announcement is because Logan also has complications coming up with his work. He's got a lot more obligations and some more responsibilities uh, in terms of his schedule and things that they're expecting from him that he just can't quite make mesh with this week-to-week schedule either. So chances are pretty high that you will not be getting a quote-unquote proper Film Rush episode till around October. And that is a ballpark figure. We're not we're not sure exactly the day we'll come back to these, these episodes. Uh, however, it doesn't mean that they're gone forever. They will come back. Uh, and it doesn't mean you won't get anything. I have some content that I've put on the back burner for a while. Some ideas I have about what to do with the channel uh, and, and how to move it forward. That I just haven't had the time or honestly, frankly, mental and emotional space to even do. Uh, it's been a tough year. Uh, and th- let's just say the environment I've been in this past year hasn't been very creatively stimulating. Uh, so I've had a hard time keeping up with that kind of content. But I look forward diving into it come the future when I have a little more time and a little more space on my hands. So that's basically long and short of it is you may not get these episodes again until October, but you will not not hear from us. You will definitely hear from us. You may even hear from Logan again. Uh, He says he has some ideas as well about some content to do that's not just these episodes. So we'll definitely be brainstorming behind the scenes for everybody's sake. Uh, And if you want to know what we're up to, uh, follow my Twitter. It's in the description down below. I don't tweet every day. I don't tweet multiple times a day, but I do tweet. I am active. I pay attention. If you tweet at me, I'll see it. Hopefully the Twitter's notification system is garbage. So uh, hopefully I'll see it, but um, I'll, I'll be keeping everyone posted on there. Maybe I'll even post pictures. I've not decided yet about the, the move and um, you'll, you'll see what's going on and any, anything to do with film rush will also appear on there. Uh, we have a Facebook page. It's not very active, admittedly. I don't like Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is garbage. Uh, it's weird. I've come around to Twitter more than Facebook, but let's be frank, neither of them are great, but one of them is more bearable for me. Uh, Logan, is there anywhere that you would encourage people to follow you on to, to keep up with you? Maybe even Letterbox, because you mentioned that you'd like to start looking at that at least, and maybe people will see something from you 
down the line. From from a movie perspective, Letterboxd would be the the place to go check out. I, I uh, have a movie diary that I log every single movie. I've done that for a couple of years now. Um, and I've got a couple dozen lists, uh, more maybe more than a few dozen lists of uh, movies and stuff. So um, <laughs> I think I've logged 15, 1600 different movies now. So there's all kinds of different stuff that you can check out over on my Letterboxd page. Um, from a personal perspective, I would probably uh, point you towards Instagram. Um, I, I just – Facebook and Instagram are, you know, they're owned by the same company. And I, I typically go to Instagram, post there, and it just duplicates its own self to Facebook. So um, I honestly – I spend most of my time on TikTok and LinkedIn. But those aren't great podcasting platforms. <laughs> they're not great for reaching out, <laughs> No, so I don't post on TikTok. Um and, uh, you know, LinkedIn's more for, like, business professional kind of stuff, of which uh, I would say Film Rush is, is not. But, um, yeah, I, you know, we're not going to be the band that says we're going on a hiatus and, it, you know, five years later uh, we release an album. <laughs> like, we will be back, hopefully, in 2021. We're, you know, like John said, we're aiming for October. Um, when uh, when you move across country, it's, it's uh, you need a little bit of time and space to kind of prioritize what you got to prioritize in life. and. Um, my company's fiscal year ends in August and starts over in September. And I'm also going to the beach for a week in September. So it's just kind of one of those things of, uh, you know, from a scheduling perspective, when we come back, we want to come back. We want to come back right. And yeah. we want to be able to come back weekly. We don't want to just like, okay, here's one episode every three weeks. You know, that's just not ideal. Um, we want to be able to, to come back strong and come back right. So, we are not uh, we're not taking film rush out back and you know beating its head in with a shovel shooting it with a shotgun and burying it in the backyard. That is not <laughs> that is not what we're we're not old yellering this right. We are not old yellering. Uh, that's hilarious. We're not old yellering film rush. Um, but uh, John and I are two cousins who love talking about movies and you know we're, we'll we'll take a few months off now. Uh, this is a free podcast. No one pays for this. We we pay for this. You don't you don't pay for this. Um, yeah, but this is something that we do for the fun of it because we love movies and uh, you know at, at some point we would love for this platform to grow to the point where it could bring in some revenue and we could devote more time and more attention to it and uh, be able to have more of a dialogue with you the audience out there um that's the plan in 2022 that is the plan we'll see how that goes <laughs> for the next two months we're going to focus on ourselves because sometimes you need to uh do that in order to grow where you need to grow in life so thank yeah. you guys for listening for the last you know two two and a half years and we'll be back in a few months absolutely couldn't have said it better myself so i'll let that be the out uh that we need so everyone have a great week we will see you again at some point uh, all the relevant links to what we talked about just now, again, are in the description. Uh, follow us on, on any platform you prefer. And thank you again for sticking with us. And we'll see you when we make our triumphant return.